Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. I am extra excited to start this recording today because it's been a while and oh my gosh, Cora LaSalle is so excited to be here too. Our most recent host edition and we've got of course Jamie is here as well and we're just gonna dive in that's what we do we have a conversation about certain topics and we just go for it so the topic today is multi-layered and it revolves around home birth transports and transfers and there's many angles there Um, but I just have been wanting to talk about this for a long time uh, because it's a topic not often talked about because it's it's uncomfortable it's scary and it's people's worst nightmares and um and we don't want to talk about it because well we just want to talk about birth working and um the reality is it does happen and we have to talk about it and we certainly talk about it with families you know one-on-one individual but as a collective it seems like a a conversation that's shied away from so uh, time to not shy away from it and and be real with it so um, yeah I think a lot of families of course they want to know like what happens if but sometimes they're even afraid to ask and you know it's our role and responsibility I think to breach the topic if the families are sort of tiptoeing around it too because it is rare but it is something that does happen and it's nice to kind of have an idea of what it can look like what would be the ideal and sometimes some of the adversity that you're faced with so I think those are some of the things we're going to talk about today is like you know it doesn't it's not always warranted, of course. It's rarely warranted, but when it is, you know, there's a it's multifaceted. And so I think it's more than a like two minute conversation, even mm-hmm. or a minute conversation that sometimes we have with our clients, even. You know. Mm-hmm. What would warrant a transport? What would yeah. yeah. Um it felt really important for me that we dive into this conversation for many reasons part of it being we live in a world where there is so much fear around birth in general um, let alone home birth and it seems like we have our work cut out for us as a collective to try to shift the tides from fear to just understanding right it doesn't mean that there isn't some things that you know, do cause fear or are fearful. It just means we just need to understand things better. Um, so there's so much fear about around birth. And then we're trying to, you know, the the culture of natural birth is working on helping people understand natural birth. And that most of the time it does work. Um, so to have the conversation of, but wait, what happens when it doesn't quite, quote, work? as we would like it to in the most ideal smooth way sometimes seems too scary for people to handle because they're already on the edge of not trusting birth and not respecting birth or not understanding and just being very afraid of it so I invite everyone listening to 
just create yourself some space to be in the most centered, grounded place to be able to balance these conversations of without totally freaking out. <laughs> well, that's a big thing, I think, about even holding the space for when we have to transport or when something does go askew, that it's really important as someone holding the space to stay grounded through that as well. Um, and so that also goes out there for partners and things. If you're, if you're listening that, you know, ultimately you are the, the person who is holding the most protective space around that other person that you love or cherish, you know, or people that you love or cherish. And so, um, so to remember even that like getting really anxious or, um, frazzled actually sort of heightens the experience of a necessity to transport in a way that can sort of be more reactionary versus reflective choices. Mm -hmm. And that's why having the conversations ahead of time so you can be at least slightly prepared for those possibilities. Um, and you're at least mentally just yeah, prepare to navigate it a little better. Um, but they, it is, it's a, even when you talk about it, no one thinks it's going to be them and, and it can be surprising and um, it's a big deal to navigate. And that's why we're talking about it because it's a big deal. And a lot of the time, then the sh stories of transports don't get shared quite as public publicly as the most Instagram picturesque story that went like the total butter birth, um, right? These transports don't get shared as much because people are like, where does this fit into the storyline of birth? <laughs> um, so I wanted to share a little bit of my experience having to navigate these conversations in my own mind and my relationship to this. And it's taken me, you know, all these years to work my way through. Uh, but I remember the first home birth transport that I was a part of as an apprentice and how it really left me quite perplexed because it was a birth that to me felt like we it had been quite hands-off, um, although balanced, there was also times of hands-on, but it felt like we weren't, you know, the classic meddling midwives that people talk about it's not like we were doing so many things that just kept interrupting her process and of course that's why we had to transport it's like no it felt to me at the time that we really held space for this woman to dive into her own journey without us constantly telling her what to do and interrupting her intuition or her process um felt like a really we, you know, we were there gently, sometimes a little more pushy, but um, like we held the space in a loving, respectful way. And yet things went, you know, sort of sideways and, and it just left me perplexed. Like, wow, even when you hold the space like that, sometimes it still doesn't quite work out um, in the ideal way. So like, what do I do with that? <laughs> and you know, we hear about trusting birth, right? Trust birth, trust birth. And I get that we, that's become a thing that is said in response to the lack of trust of birth <laughs> that prevails. Um, but how do you trust birth when it seems like 
sometimes it just doesn't quite work. What, um, and that's what I was left to have to ponder for a while. And ultimately, I kind of came to a few different conclusions um, from that experience and then from other transports throughout time. Um, but one thing that I learned is like, oh, well, hello, labor and birth outcomes are way more complex than just hands-on or hands-off. <laughs> There's that point. Right, that's us having that conversation a few months back about it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be dogmatic about those choices. Absolutely. Um, right, baby? Can't uh, be dogmatic about those choices. And... Well, I can touch on the dogma piece, which I think will be circulating around a lot because it is a prevailing element um, in our times, I see. But, you know, whether it's hospital dogma or home birth dogma or free birth dogma, the, any kind of dogma, right? The polar, the polarization or the extremes of what means what. Yeah, that can is one of the things that worry me if I see that too much because it seems to take people away from actually listening to their intuition and what's true for them and their baby and it completely overrides that and then it's it's this weird irony of people trying to hold on to so much power but yet it seems like a lot of power gets released over to an outside authority with the dogma because you're not tuning into yourself. And whether that's choosing to like be a part of a system of care or being completely outside of it. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's not about the hospital or the home or the free birth. It's yeah. not about that. It's more so the the dogma or lack thereof, perhaps that it, these places might be approached with. Um, so anyways, that was you know, a lesson that's come up multiple times in these journeys. And then, let's see. Well, I realize, you know, it's like, well, I can trust birth still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can trust birth just like I can still trust nature, right? Like it's beautiful and it's magnificent. Well, and it's as reliant as nature because it is nature, Mm-hmm. Right. And most of the time it works. Look at everything that nature has accomplished for despite us. Um and so, right? It is it, the teacher. It is. Mm -hmm. And part of what I learned, well, there's two pieces here. I'm gonna stick to one before I get lost in the second one. But <laughs> just like I can trust nature to be beautiful and magnificent and most of the time just work I also have to trust that you know sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it's ruthless and I can say that without being completely overcome by fear of like wait what birth can be ruthless <laughs> like yeah but most of the time it's not that most of the time it is smooth because I also trust biologically nature wants the human species to continue and not because humans are special. It's just that like, that's just what biology wants every species to do. It's just reproduction is like important and successful reproduction is key um, to the whole system. That's biologically what we're designed for. 
So I yes, trust that. cellular yeah. level, we are here to procreate oh, and reproduce. Yeah. And also know that sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes other things come up. Some things that are obvious and clear to be able to pinpoint and some aren't. And sometimes we just never know why things have worked out that way. But that's how I was able to kind of learn to be able to be okay trusting birth. And it doesn't mean it's blind trust of, oh, if I just trust and and have no fear and never second guess the process, then it will always work out. I just have to trust. It's not what that means. Yeah, that's not mindful trust. That's dogmatic trust. So let's follow that one a little more because... That's what I hear a lot. And I fell into it for a while too. It's very tempting to think if we just do no unnecessary interventions and we just say all the perfect words and or say no words, whatever, if we just hold gentle, loving, sacred space and everything will always be a perfect butter birth. And that's just, and then, and then people are surprised when sometimes you do all that and things somehow still don't quite work out the way that you hoped for, right? Yeah, the dream delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that tricky place of like, well, how do we make sense of that? And it just comes down to the fact like, oh, there, <laughs> there is no formula for the perfect birth. Oh. Well, it's true. Think about the women who don't know that they're pregnant and then they have a baby. You know, <laughs> or I used to watch that wouldn't show. necessarily <laughs> think would have an easy, straightforward birth because maybe they don't really have the healthiest lifestyle or they don't have. And yet, you know, we talk, <laughs> we're, this is a whole episode to talk a, a little bit about transport and complications, but it's very funny about like, why do we focus on, you know, in birth in general, why do we focus on like the mishaps as opposed to the fact that like, celebrating the ones that that are so amazing and this actually comes in with the transport conversation though because the hospital only sees home birth transport which is why they have the stigma because they only see things when things go bad and that's the same with ems like they're not sure i mean sometimes ems gets lucky enough to show up to a fast birth and everything's fine and Mm -hmm. they take them to the doctors and then they're like, yay, you know, we, we did a good thing, which is, it's a great thing. It's a really great thing. Um, Cause they get to see probably the most natural of births, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but then there's the juxtaposition of the only other births they see are like a transport and the hospital, by the time they receive a transport there, there may have already been issues going on for 15, 20, 30 minutes by the time folks arrive, maybe more depending on the locale um, to the hospital. So it also makes sense why they have this view um, of what home birth is or looks like because, because of what they see and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to not see something when you've seen it (laughs) or to compartmentalize it, you know, um, they're also very much trained to, to not trust birth. And so the, the two parallel um, sort of belief systems 
or a belief system versus, you know, proof and evidence walking in your door on a regular basis and not seeing the other side of that absolutely can can and appropriately creates fear about how to diffuse that or like look through a different lens. I think it's one of the things that the folks who do serve the public in the home space really long for some mutual respect and understanding. I mean, we do work in their world and they are often because of policy or their own belief systems or their insurance or whatever, like refuse to actually integrate and understand the other way. And it's, um, you know, we, the, the reason why countries that have lots of midwives and, you know, we, I'm speaking to the choir a little bit on this, I think, but, you know, we talk about how in the Netherlands and all these other places, and it's because not only is home birth accepted, but they're the EMS and the doctors, there's cross-training and understanding whether they were regulated or not, or whether they're people having babies so fast and they're coming in it's it's a mutual respect and understanding that I think that you know a lot of the other nations really could learn from and I think it's also even the hallmark of what we talk about in general with you know licensed providers versus you know community providers and and these different things you know that it's a mutual respect that not everybody's going to choose what you have and that's that staying grounded grounded when you do have to transport or cross over you know those 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 uh transports would be received so much better in the sense of if there just was a little bit more like understanding that sure you're seeing this and it is scary for you as a hospital provider and there were 40 other births this year that didn't require any need for support, you know? Sorry, that was a long tangent. I, my, I'm slightly distracted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love you, honey girl. Oh my gosh. If only you guys could see this cute little smile. Oh, oh so cute. Uh, no, thank you for the tangent. That's just it. I think we could have multiple episodes diving into the many different aspects of transports. I think it brings up so much and we're only going to be able to address so much today. Uh, but the polarities keep coming up, right? It's, it's, and that makes it harder, you know? I have to be very mindful to not fall into the polarities because again, it's easy, it's tempting, right? You hear about the very common births and scenarios of fear-mongering, of unnecessary interventions leading to major problems. And no one wants to go into that system. There's so much pain there, right? There's so much, ah, there's betrayal, there's hurt, there's trauma which has completely degraded the trust in the community with certain systems, um, whether it's the hospital systems or it's regulated midwives or, yeah, it, right? So this crosses the borders of the hospital system and is totally in the home birth realm as well. There's lack of trust um, that seems to be growing and it's pushing 
communities around the world of women to want to go the complete extreme opposite way. Um, and I've had to work on balancing that within me. Be- and it came down to, well, yes, even though it's true that there is a lot of obstetric violence and trauma at the hands of many hospitals and providers around the world due to this technocratic medical, just fear-based paradigm. Yes, that's true. And simultaneously, it's also true that they also have the capacity to deal with some major complications where otherwise people could lose their lives, right? It's this I, I've said it so many times on the podcast before. What I heard from Augustine Colebrook uh, was like, the problem isn't necessarily interventions, but it's the misuse and overuse of them, right? And that's where we can end up with more complications, right? They, they could cause the issues that they we're trying to resolve in the first place. Um, but when we're using these tools in a balanced way, um, respectfully, then we can actually be solving issues. So I know that there's a place for the medical system, for the hospitals, for this extreme technocratic system. Totally. I actually love it. I've grown to freaking love it. Okay. And I just pray for the day that they can also love. The love can come from the other direction. (laughs) The balance. The balance. Yes, Yes. Yes. So uh, the whole trust birth thing, um, I grew to take it a step further. And I don't know if I heard this or if I piece it together myself somehow, but to trust birth, but then also respect birth, right? Uh, and an example of that, like like recently, um, let's see, there was a mom, she was pushing for a long time. It's like, oh, not a lot of progress. And we kept trying these different things. And it was like, it seemed quite obvious. It was this bag of water that was really strong and just probably creating a buffer of pressure of the baby's head pressure on the cervix, preventing things from fully going. And it's like, well, yeah, we could break the bag of waters and um, and try to move things along, but we weighed our options, pros and cons. And considering the context in this particular case, it didn't seem like what, I mean, it was offered, it was declined. And, you know, so we tried other things. I'm not saying that breaking the bag of water isn't ever appropriate. I'm just saying in this case, it wasn't, um, even though obviously something had to shift for things to move along. So what we did was like, well, we'll go for a walk. And then sure enough, on the walk, pressures shifted and the bag of water did break. And then mom had her her baby like 10 minutes later. Um, don't worry, we made it back to the house after the walk. But the point here of the trusting birth, but then respecting birth, I was like, well, I trust birth. Like, even if this bag is creating a buffer, preventing the baby from getting pushed down very effectively, I still respect the process to keep holding space for it while tuning in carefully and trying to do things. I had to respect birth because I'm like, well, I know that sometimes placentas will grow with veins running through the bag, 
right? I know that sometimes you break the bag of water and if the baby's a little too high, a cord can slip through or the baby can get compressed, a cord can get compressed in some other way, right? I respect it enough to not want to meddle unnecessarily, right? So yeah, trust birth and then all, but also respect birth, right? Respect birth that if a mom doesn't feel safe, she's going to tighten up and keep that baby inside, even if it means days of no progress, right? I trust birth to do that, <laughs> right? It's like trusting birth to work smooth and also trusting birth to do a lot of maybe unusual things. Um, you know, a lot of things can get in the way sometimes, you know, maybe there's physical history or physical trauma history or, you know, it's mental pains or, you know, there's issues, you know, there's just pains that people carry in their hearts and minds and, um, body <laughs> and the body. And sometimes we got to deal with those. Um, no matter how much you trust the process, there's other things going on. Right. And what you and I have well, sometimes the mom wants the help. <laughs> oh, totally. mm -hmm. She's like, all right, what 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 can be done? <laughs> I've exhausted my mind and intuition. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that leads to transport. And that's a non-emergent transport. That's usually in the car and a mom goes and gets some pain relief so she can sleep or she can relax or release. And, um, you know, I think that too, if you're planning a home birth and then people, and then someone decides that they do want to go in, I think they sometimes, you know, get really hard on themselves about it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's a really challenging thing to face for most people who are planning a home birth. Um, but at the same time, I've really seen it be incredibly effective and helpful for someone who is struggling, you know, who, um, whether it's from exhaustion or mind exhaustion or actual physical, like post injury or just um, body anatomy pain, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that that's, you know, that is a reason for transport. It usually doesn't require um, anything other than just showing up. And that, that can be hard because one, the, the person choosing that is maybe feeling it in some sort of emotional way. And then how you, they're received at the hospital, especially if they have had, concurrent care with an obstetrician or not can affect that interaction that first interaction um depending on the judgment or opinion or bias of the receiving end um so i think it's good to be prepared for for that um on some level, just like even if you don't have to obsess about these things. I think this is the other thing is like, it's good to talk about it, but you know, like focusing and obsessing is a little bit different thing as far as what we manifest, mm -hmm. but you know, if you're going to choose concurrent care or not and how that could potentially affect a transfer, um, 
and how strongly you feel about your convictions you know like i think this is totally and absolutely reasonable to not do concurrent concurrent care with a home and a hospital provider because i do think that there's a lot of extra stress load that gets added in from the sort of mainstream medical mindful or mind of of the birth community um so it's not to say that one is better than the other, but it's just something to consider for people who are more conservative or are really opposed to adversity. Um, just something to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, sometimes people can end up being surprised if they transport and aren't received as well or the staff doesn't like their midwife or something and they're surprised they're like and it's like well it's unfortunate that it's ever like that um but yeah you should know ahead of time that sometimes it, it just depends on who ends up being there at the hospital when you're received that they may or may not be um, professional enough to override their home birth biases <laughs> Um, and I, and you know what I gotta say, I, I mean, I think we've all had some, some really unpleasant transports and then, and, and then despite of what we were actually transporting for <laughs> just what we were being welcomed with. I mean, I've gone in just for like pain relief, like mom's just tired. She just wants some pain relief. And there's a big fuss about that. And, um, but then I've gone in for some like, you know, more serious situations, but been welcomed in the most amazing way and it's been so healing to have this welcome staff that's so kind and respectful and amazing at just doing their job <laughs> um and being willing to just integrate these two worlds like yep yeah, we're here no problem you're welcome we'll help and that's been very refreshing to have those experiences um, and it's hard when it feels like Russian roulette, like you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> um, could be the best, could be the worst. Um, and hopefully we can work on that in our community. But the reality is that this is just a challenge um, around the world. Yeah, for sure. I've had really amazing transfers that have needed, you know, uh, acute care or whatnot over the years. And I've had both both positive experiences um that were not emotionally charged and then I've had positive experiences that were emotionally charged and yet there was you know like but this is why we're here so let's just get it done um but you can feel the friction and then other times uh -huh. I've had you know I've felt or heard stories of like direct conflict and you know that's that's hard so um, and maybe that's just personalities colliding as well, right? Um, we're all on our own little star journey here. <laughs> yeah, but I have found the piece that I can control at least is how I approach exactly. the situation, right? What am I adding here? Even if they have a little edge of animosity, I don't have to play into it and make it worse. I can, you know, that's kill exactly them with kindness. <laughs> right. Like right. I am on their turf. Let me be so grateful because I am so grateful that they're here when we need them because yeah, sometimes it is needed. I don't deny that. Absolutely. 
So I just so kind to them and respectful and sweet and soft and and not extra abrasive, you know. <laughs> because ultimately that's how we all want to be held is in that space, right? Of respect and love. And so yeah, that's I think what I was leading to in my second example of like you can feel the pinchiness in the air and yet everybody's still just doing their job really well. <laughs> yeah right once you're there in that setting it's because you want their help so you want to work as a team you want them to respect uh this family so let's make sure that they feel the respect too um so so that's been huge and um you know it can help really shift the the energy in that room um for the family so yeah uh let's see what other thoughts do you have about this today well i think transport in general you know like if you're talking about a more emergent thing sometimes you have to weigh whether you're coming in by car and calling the hospital on the way or if it's worth waiting for an ambulance and then that initial ambulance interaction too. many EMTs in our country are not necessarily trained in uh, much in uh, birth care, you know, their general emergency. And so, um, and I do find that especially when it comes to resuscitation of infants and that sort of thing, you know, they might not have the right equipment. And um, so oftentimes, at least here, many of the um, care providers, they have the equipment and it just transfers over with EMS. Um, and then it's good to just have really strong communication in those moments too, um, to be sure that everything gets sort of moved along smoothly. Uh, Usually if there is something more emergent and we're ch changing locations by ambulance, not only does the ambulance driver call ahead and inform, but um, I think it's important as a provider to also do that or as a, as a space holder, just to give them the rundown of like why we're transferring and, and what we've seen um, because as much as it's great for EMS, they also don't 100% understand our world or they will hear parts of what we say, but not all of what we say necessarily because they're human. <laughs> and so instead of having the person in like the in-between to actually have the sending and the receiving ends talk directly, I think is pretty important. And it also though is challenging as um, as more and more people are choosing to like birth outside of systematic things that even if they have someone with them that person might not really be able to communicate for various reasons you know um, and that again it's that transparency and that mutual respect or that um, integration that people are going to choose something else and so we're just here to do our jobs um, is really important um, because I think that 
when we're talking about safety, we all know if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, safety is very relative and personal. And that's why some people will choose to have a scheduled C-section and some people will choose to birth alone in the woods. Like <laughs> there's, there's this whole spectrum of that. And, um, and I think that when we don't sort of acknowledge the fact that maybe we wouldn't choose it, or maybe we even think that's like completely wacky, that there are people who, who, who would and could choose those things. And they are just as deserving of support if they need it. Um, as the person who wanted everything to be dictated through a medical lens, you know, everybody is deserving of emergency support when it's needed. Um, and it's their choice if they want to lean into that system or not as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And I keep coming back to despite which way you go about it and this might not be the most reassuring thing to hear, <laughs> but it's just what I've noticed. Um, right. You, even with the plant cesarean, you made the example of the plant cesarean or the alone in the woods thing. And either well, way. Well, that's the extremes that I can think of. Right? No, I, I love those extremes, right? Be- because they're extremes that may be chosen based on people's relationship to risk and what feels safest to them and what feels like a more acceptable risk level. And that's the only thing that people can really, you know, that's uh, the people making decisions for themselves of what's right for them. Uh, but even with that the point is that things can still happen. Right. And again, I keep saying things can still happen, but with the, understanding that it, that's not always the case like sometimes things most of the time they do work out well but i'm just saying you can't avoid risk right you can only do you can't risk to zero on anything bingo bingo that's just it people always talk about safety and well is it safe it's like well what is safety <laughs> is it safe to get in a car is it safe to be alive is it safe well, to be i mean on one of the things that would come up in the legislation, you know, well, if one baby dies, you know, and hearing that from a community that is responsible for the worst infant maternal and mortality rates and morbidity rates in all developed nations, it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, because we're all doing the best we can. And we all serve a different demographic of of humans <laughs> who have different feelings, emotions, and uh, experiences that lead them to either, you know, whatever extreme or somewhere in the gray area. Maybe you want a home birth, but you're doing tandem care, like, and that there's room for all of it. <laughs> Imagine that, that there's room for all of it. We celebrate diversity for real, not the dogmatic version. <laughs> I was just reflecting on one of our legislators this year that there was someone testifying and they were saying how the type of midwifery care that they received postpartum was a critical piece to them being able to, um, this person was actually running for office at the time. So for her to be able to balance all those things, 
And so she was just really making the case for this midwifery care that she received. And then the legislator responded to, well, I did the same thing. I was postpartum and running for office. So, and I had hospital-based care. So there's, there's, there's room for that too. Like there's room for hospital-based care. And it was so fascinating for to see her trying to make this case for how we have to accept the hospital-based care. But we're like, yeah, no, that's not the problem. It's like, <laughs> we do accept hospital-based care. It is widely accepted. No, like the hospital is not at risk of going extinct. <laughs> like we're here to, we're, we embrace you. We're asking you to embrace us. <laughs> um, or to even just fathom it. I mean, try to to look into it through, you know, as opposed to just, have an idea of what you think it is, you know? And I'm sure over the years, there's many of our legislators have sit, sat in testimony, hours and hours of testimony. And I know that they are aware of how passionate people are about these choices. And I think post COVID and, you know, like all this like mandated and, you know, like the trust is being eroded. And the trust is being eroded by the only own system that has created the system, <laughs> you know, like, and sometimes I, I joke in, in honesty about like, well, they have to ex extinguish us because, you know, otherwise we really do make them look bad. Like, how can we have as good, if not better outcomes, especially for people who have had more than one baby? Like, how can our statistics be just as good? And we have so, I mean, it's a, it's a human connection versus this reliance on big, right? Like big machines, big money, big practices, big, you know, there's, it's so informal. It's, it's like going to, you know, I mean, people compare it to a factory and it kind of is like that. Like you go to work at Ford and you stamp doors all day. And then those doors go, and it doesn't matter who is there pressing the button for the stamp, you know, but this is, and, and even with other, you know, care, sure. Like you break your leg and you go into the, or the, the orthopedic doctor, the bone doctor and, you know, but it's not like you have this deep relationship with that guy because, or, or woman, because they're, they're fixing your leg and you might see them two or three times your whole life you know um hopefully that you know and, <laughs> and so you know but having I mean even the extinction of the family doctor I mean family practice medicine was when I was a kid that my my pediatrician was also my mom's doctor who also was the person who delivered us like it was a it was a well, it wasn't so specialized, you know? And, and I think when it comes to childbirth, like it, it isn't like going to the orthopedic doctor. It's, you know, this is, this is very transformative on much more than a physical level. And that's why even when we talk about transport, it's really important how we hold the space around it and how we talk about it, because it is sometimes necessary and it's not about failure and it's not about um things didn't work out or whatever i mean sure and 
there's also a reason why we have the ability to tap into these interventions or that we have the ability to um, to make decisions that lead us in a path to at least more fulfilling wellness as opposed to just being alive at the end of the day, <laughs> you know? And, and so this whole thing about continuity of care and even when you transfer, it's really important it's really great when the person who has been loving on you can go with you and it's just transparent, you know, that that's, this is where we need to be right now. And, and it's not what I had dreamed. And I also give the deep gratitude that I have the option. And, and even that, like, even if how you're received, if the person's a butt, just as long as they're doing their job, like some of that, traumatic stuff we can work out on the other side um if people are willing uh to face it and it's a shame that sometimes that's how it goes but I also really think being in the space of like and yet this is exactly where we need to be right now and that has been the mindset that I've noticed has helped the families the most. The ones that I've seen being able to, you know, transport is hard no matter what. Even if you just went in for something super simple, whatever, it's hard. But it, it does certainly become a lot harder when there's a lot of resistance or shame or right then you're like, ah, and why? And and it's okay, you know, people will reflect like, oh, why did that work out that way or whatever? But the mindset I've seen work and help people navigate such a hard situation um, a little better is with a little more acceptance of of the situation and uh, which you know can take time and work. Um, that's what I've seen be key. Uh, and I wanted to go back to something you brought up, right? The whole is it a failure? Because that comes up like, oh, failed home birth. That's why you had to transport. It's like, what? Well, that's a really um, it's a common thing I hear said by people that don't understand this, and it's really unhealthy and toxic to believe that. Um, when in reality, it's like, no, it's actually a very successful birth situation where um, it was the proper use of available resources. It was adequate care, being able to pick up on issues and understanding when a different care was necessary. Uh, for the well-being of this family, right? It's like, oh, hey, good job detecting this and coming in, right? Um, good job integrating the systems. Um, so I hope that families can embrace that for themselves, right? Of like, it wasn't a failure if something came up. It wasn't. Um, you know, sometimes that can spiral into, oh, well, that's why you should have birthed in the hospital in the first place, right? But then when something has happens in the hospital, people are like, oh, well, you did the best you could. We did the best we could, um, right? Because there's this fundamental understanding that sometimes things just come up because they're just out of our control because that's just life because sometimes things just come up and it's as, as heartbreaking that, as that is, it's just the realities of life, not just birth. Well, and if it came up during your non-intervention birth versus things coming up because of intervention, right? So like even that. So 
if it just if if it naturally occurred you know you didn't make it happen you know versus you know the the again I, it's very challenging because of course I really don't want to like knock this entire <laughs> I mean well I do I do want to knock the entire system. and at the same time though like just really also impress upon the fact that it's as we say all the time always and never as we often say always and never is just not reality there's 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 very few things that are always and never you know so uh, but I don't know where I was going on that tangent my cute baby started looking in the, in the <laughs> lens and now I'm we're lost in her eye and giggles we're lost in your giggles but she's uh -huh. saying just stay in the gray man stay in the gray <laughs> no, you know, I just, you know I, I just had an experience where what came up was um not because of an intervention and and you know we had to come go in and and then all is well and um has worked out and the family finds this deep peace in knowing that what came up wasn't because um you know if they had done the uh, the cascade of interventions that it's interesting what came up is something that these interventions um actually increase the risk of the situation coming up you know but they didn't have any of those interventions and yet the situation came up um but they're so grateful in knowing that it wasn't because they made all those other decisions. They can make peace with the fact that like, gosh, sometimes these things just come up despite the lack of interventions. And and so be it, that's just life and they can accept the life that it's easier for them to accept as opposed to, well, is it because we added too many interventions to this situation and challenged this baby's ability to come through, right? Right, yeah, that's where I was going with that. So yeah, 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 yeah. it's okay. nice that it doesn't happen to you. So it's nice and fresh. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and also I think back to one of our very first podcasts with Samara and she's talking about, you know, even if you end up with all the things and all the interventions and all the whatever, you know, that um, if that's the system within which you're starting in and, and, and choosing, like, it's also not your fault because you know, the options are what they are there, you know, mm -hmm. everybody always likes to use the analogy of like going to fast food and expecting fine dining, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it's the same at home. I think though, I feel there's a strong push to change that. But like when you're, when you're home, you don't have the luxury of having an OR down the hall <laughs> but more and more and more these these midwifery schools are requiring more and more and more you know um uses of of medications and uh and not that you shouldn't know those things and whatever I mean there's great life-saving options that can help keep people home too right but again sort of like at what cost is something to to weigh sometimes it it delete things will delay a transfer that maybe should have happened you know or like to what degree is home the best place to be once you're doing lots of 
medical things, right? So, um, and again, the, it's a gray area. I don't really have, I don't think one is right or wrong or this or that. I just think that, you know, there's this, this, this is where the, the, like, this, the, where things collide, our, our worlds collide of, even in the midwifery world of like polarization, right? Mm -hmm. That, oh, you're crazy if you carry nothing, you're crazy if you do everything, you should carry everything and use everything versus, you know, not at all or at discretion or like, I just choose to go into the hospital when, when meds are needed or whatever it is, right? Like, so to just, again, to even remind us in the, in the midwifery world, in the home birth world, in the free birth world, all, all these places where we're all doing the same thing and we're doing what's like true and, and to our being and our soul, um, that there's, there's room for understanding and mutual respect. Yes, there is. And that belief can get challenged sometimes, but I'm working on still believing it. <laughs> I know it's true. <laughs> And some, um, I know it's true. It's just wanting that to be believed in by more in the community. That um, that would be great. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I feel quite satisfied with where we're at. Yeah, this is a good chat. It's been a long time. I want to give a big apology to anyone who was following us at some point and then we just sort of fell out of existence but we were existing we were very much existing mm -hmm. uh, life with a new baby is for real <laughs> we mm -hmm. went through the whole legislative session which was incredibly time consuming um a little bit heartbreaking and also very um very amazing and miraculous on so many levels as i think that we often see is that even though we're still not getting necessarily the the outcomes or the response that we really feel like the public is in loud chanting voices for um what we do get is community and uh we get to hear stories and people meet one another and uh yeah i think that it's really beautiful what also happens, even if it is not always um, the outcome that we expect, like oh, birth. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Full circle right there. That's yeah. it. We've gotten some different outcomes um, than expected or hoped. And yet we've gotten some really awesome outcomes out of it. Um, yeah. Maybe. Hawaii has an incredible birth community. Mm -hmm. So true. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, honey girl. Well, perhaps we will have our next episode be dedicated to some updates. Yes. Yes. Okay. You agree very well. Um, legislative updates, Hawaii birth world updates. We will do all of that. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be doing this more consistently. So see you again real soon, everyone. Aloha. <laughs>